Welcome to Green City, a podcast focused on sustainability. I'm your host, Lene Marty Henson. We invite you to listen in on our conversations for positive change. It is my hope that we can all come away with something that resonates within our own lives and inspires us to action within our own communities. Let's start where we are and find ways to work together to create more connected, more vibrant, and indeed more sustainable communities. Join us each week as we learn from each other. Olivia Hicks continues as my co-host for this Earth Month series focused on climate change. We've had some good discussions with our guests so far, and although we are giving you the sobering facts of where we are at this moment, we are also attempting to leave you with hope and encourage you to act by making changes within your own life. We truly need everyone on board in pursuing real solutions on all levels. Our guest today is Kamyar Inshayan, Director at the Center for Energy and Environmental Education, also known as CEEE, at the University of Northern Iowa. A professor of environmental studies at UNI since 1993, Kamyar works to turn science into action in energy conservation, renewable energy, and sustainable agriculture. And we're thrilled to have you join us today, Kamyar. Great to be with you. Great to be with you. So you've been on the show before, a few years ago, but for those who may not be familiar with you or your work, give us just a brief background background on how you made your way to you and okay. I. Okay. <laughs> so all well, you mentioned a little bit about my current work. Um, uh, while so my kind of trajectory, I work from here backwards. Uh, so uh, for two terms or eight years, I served on the Cedar Falls City Council, one of the most educational and uh, creative thing I ever did. And I loved it as a, as a local elected official and learned so much, so much. Uh, and I'll, t- I'll talk a little bit about that too later. Um, prior to that, I, I was trained as an engineer, a mechanical engineer, and then later agricultural engineer. And that was my entry into the field of sustainable agriculture. And uh, prior to that, I um, really I, I learned English as a second language uh, in Mississippi. Um, and prior to that, I was in high school in northern Iran. So that's where uh, my childhood home uh, is. And um, so that's kind of I've been here for almost 40 uh, some years. Uh, so that's kind of my background. And I'm the, I would say for, for nearly 30 years in Iowa. And so Iowa is home. Um, and a lot of what I do is about, is about Iowa and about how we make Iowa a better place. Um, so. Very good. So Olivia, do you want to kick off our questioning this morning? Sure. So why don't you start by telling us a little bit about the history and mission of CEEE? Great. Yeah, my, I'm really lucky that I work at a center at a public university that uh, its mission is really to serve the people of Iowa and, and the communities of Iowa. We're very action oriented. Uh, the, the, our center is there as a public service. 
um, a lot of the work we do translate what we already know through science and put it into action. That's what that's what it's all about: involving our students, our faculty, and all community, all kinds of community leaders and organizations across Iowa. Uh, so that's really the heart of what we do, um, and uh, we do that work in kind of three um, focus areas. One is energy and community, where we we offer energy uh, services to low-income households. We uh, fix up people's homes. We help communities benchmark their emissions uh, so that they develop a plan to reduce their emissions in the long run. We have uh, an extensive regional food program. So that's the second focus area of our work, uh, <clears throat> strengthening our regional food economy, connecting farmers to eaters, helping Iowans realize that we have um, a treasure of local farms and, and a cultural tradition of good food that we need to uh, rekindle. Uh, there's a lot of work we need to do. Um, we're not in a good spot right now. We need to be doing a lot more. Uh, and so that's our center is collaborating with many others in Iowa to do this. Our third um, aspect of our work uh, is focused on environmental health. <clears throat> particularly children's environmental health uh, in Iowa with a very specific focus right now on, on preventable exposures to pesticides. And mm. uh, so in urban settings where, um, where weed killers are applied to turf uh, in schools and in parks and in childcare centers and in people's backyards to, um, to what the, the extent to which uh, we could change that in agriculture as well. We know from our partners that it is entirely possible to have high yielding agriculture in Iowa uh, without any pesticides, but with, or with much, much, much reduced, like 95% reduction. We know that's very possible. So that's those three areas of work is where our center is focused on. And I'm, uh, there is a team of us, a team of about 11 of us, uh, and that do these three areas. And we have a large number of AmeriCorps members. We're a host to, our Amer to a national program of service. So many college students from all of college graduates from all over the country join us uh, here um, for a year of service. And we place them in different communities to do the work that they're doing. So in a nutshell, that's our center, um, and uh, we're we are very solution oriented. We're very applied. Um, again, we already know almost everything we need to know to make big changes in our state, and um, and we feel that we need to act on what we know, and we right. have the responsibility to do that as public officials. As the state of Iowa expects us to be acting um, at, on what we know. So that's mm -hmm. kind of the flavor of our center and, and our mission. That's wonderful. So from your perspective, Kamyar, what, what are the key contributing factors that are intensifying climate change in Iowa and globally? <clears throat> okay, I had to really think about that. That's a good, <laughs> because, you know, there is a, 
normal list of emissions and this and that. But really, I think the true word, I think we need to be, be kind of, uh, climate change is a consequence, is a consequence of um, overconsumption, of a pattern of life that cannot be sustained. Um, overconsumption of material energy and all of that has led basically a, a, a kind of a life an economy we've created that just requires way too much material way too much energy and it has resulted in all kinds of troubles and those troubles one of them of course we're recently acknowledging is climate change but there have been so many there's so many consequences uh, loss of biodiversity. I mean, everything. I mean, right? E everything we know. In Iowa, loss of biodiversity, loss of soil, loss of drinking water, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, uh, stuff like that, right? So it's not, you know, that's why I think we need to have conversations about the root, the root of it all. Mm -hmm. And it's not just about climate. It's not, and, and we, maybe we'll talk about it some more. It's not just about renewable energy, even though, mm -hmm. yes, renewable energy, but it really is a lot more than that. And we need to, we need to figure a way to help Iowans and the rest of our nation realize what is, you know, kind of to have a language that's not easily pigeonholed as, quote, climate change. But, um, but as a way of seeing that we have agency here to make some changes. So I don't, I, you know, in, in the way we are, a lot of, a lot of the, the root causes of climate change is the way our communities are laid out. You know, as you know, Lene, you know, you worked on and those very issues um, when you uh, started that Center for Sustainable Communities. There is just so many things about our buildings, the way we design our buildings, our neighborhoods, this and that, the other. Our food system, wow, our food system <laughs> is a huge contributor. If we, you know, we now know that if we change our diet and if we do a bunch mm -hmm. of other things in our food system, we would be better off, we would have less impact. So I guess, I guess it's a long answer to your question of what are, what are some root causes that leading to climate change is, yes, it's emissions and this and that, but really, Emissions are from manufacturing of products that we use <laughs> yeah. and that we don't necessarily need to use. So we got this, that's, it's a cultural issue, really. It's a mm -hmm. cultural yeah. and moral issue at its heart. So, yeah. No, I think you nailed the heart of it, Gamyar, and that, and that requires a mind shift. And that's where the difficulty comes in because we're like barreling down this path. Yes. And how do we veer it in a different, completely different direction? And that's, yes. that's why it's probably proven to be so difficult because it really starts with our mindset and embedded behaviors and habits. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. totally. I was, um, I'm trying to think, um, I was trying to, find a quote from this book, <laughs> one of these books that I was going to suggest that kind of gets at the heart of this. Okay. All right. Um, okay. Let me find my, let me find my 
glasses. Can I read you? Because this, I think, yes. gets at, at, yes. the issue, at the issue. Okay, this is, this is one of the books called Our Land, Ourselves huh. by the Trust for Public Land. Okay, it says that um, the conservation movement succeeds brilliantly in saving hundreds of thousands of acres of land each year, right? We know this is awesome, right? Yeah, we're, but somehow the, 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 the conservation movement somehow provides no broadly recognizable cultural counterpoint to America's otherwise materialistic society. The conservation movement is largely silent on the choices Americans make about how one should live. You see what I mean? So we haven't had that conversation. We right. just haven't, you know, um, it says there is, is there no dissonance in saying that movement is devoted to saving land, but not devoted to fighting the consumption that destroys the land? Hmm. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's the thing I keep thinking about. Uh, the the <laughs> this, <laughs> that, That's a challenge. Like that's a, our work cut out for us how do we talk about and i have some some ideas that we can talk about later it, it relates to hope um how do we yeah how our task is to figure out how to um start a conversation and a narrative that that we share about our future and it's going to require changes from all of us. Uh, and so anyway, I'll come back to that maybe later. Okay. Yeah, we can come back to that. I was just going to ask about um, starting that conversation and shifting that mindset of that culture of overconsumption. Um, but we can talk about that when we um, sure, sure. Okay. hopeful future. Um, so at C Triple E, what is your favorite thing or what do you enjoy most about working with multiple generations, specifically younger generations, um, in crafting this kind of future um, to um, mitigate the effects of climate change? Great. I love that question because I think I think we need to be where we are, right? We, we need to think of approaches in our communities, in our regions, in our states uh, that make sense to us? And how do we start that conversation? So I would say the, the ideas I try to work with, with my students uh, is to introduce them to Iowa, introduce them to very familiar places that, they, that, that maybe, you know, there's a lot of things we're all familiar with, but maybe we haven't really thought about them. And so, mm -hmm. And we start with our food system. So, you know, these are, my students are from all over Iowa. A lot of you and I students are from Iowa. And that's that's a wonderful thing because we can talk, we have a shared topic to talk about and people are familiar with things, right? And, but maybe they never realize what's that white tank of anhydrous ammonia that says on it, you know, what what is that? Mm -hmm. Why is everybody applying that? You know, where does that come from? And all of that right so you start thinking about your communities um, about patterns in food in agriculture so basically uh, the focus is in the region that we live in and issues of our region as as 
the kind of a um, entry into other issues. So one example is where we read um, a book by Eric Ries called Lost Mountain, which covers, which is about mountaintop removal in Eastern Kentucky. And it's the story of the lives of people there and everything. So when, when Iowa students, when, I, when my students read that, all kinds of questions came to them, come to them, you know, say, whoa, I can't believe people are tolerating this stuff. I mean, their, their houses trash, you know, there is the foundations cracked from explosions to, you know, and then they're drinking water, totally polluted, et cetera, et cetera. And, and just corruption of local officials that, you know, just like nothing you can't, you know, it's like there is no democracy basically, right? So they read that saying, well, how can, how can people endure this? How can people, why don't they move, you know, and stuff like that. They can't believe that this is happening in the U.S., right? So, so we really study, I, I, so my back to, kind of, I'm, I'm coming back to your question is like, how do we engage, how do we help Iowans and young Iowans to realize who's who, who's doing what, who's saying what in our region and what's our agency here, right? What, do we have agency to create change here? And they see that in Eastern Kentucky, they don't. They, there is no agency. The people do not have agency. Democracy has been weakened. And so we come back to Iowa. Well, it seems like people then start connecting the dots and saying, ah, yes, we're not, our mountaintop removal here, we just spray 50 million pounds of pesticides every year. You know, and we have our drinking water has fertilizer in it. You know, it's just like it's not exactly mountaintop removal, but the same uh, sense of powerlessness is there. And and we realize, oh, we don't have agency here. How do we how do we have agency? So we can't work on climate change if we don't have agency. Right. I mean, if we don't have agency to to have clean water in our community, you know, what's going on? Right. So that's kind of my uh, <laughs> kind of my approach is in my in my class is to involve help students see and uh, you know I'm kind of interpret help help them see what's happening by reading looking at the evidence in terms of most of the projects that we do on energy and food and environmental health again we follow we collaborate with with uh, community leaders and organizations in different communities we work with. School, we work with a lot of local governments, with school districts, uh, with cities and counties, and um, we follow their leads. You know, they want us to help them do certain things, and we involve our students and faculty in those projects that we design with them. So that's kind of our approach, uh, and a lot of it is uh, energy and and land related, um, and uh, you know we. One of the projects we're doing, as I mentioned, is we're helping communities benchmark their current emissions and develop a plan to figure out how we're going to reduce these emissions. And a lot of it is not necessarily energy related. It's planning related, right? Codes, you know, how do we build better buildings? How do we make things more compact and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. So. so in just our... We only have a few minutes, 
which it always is too short, but, but let's move into that hope that you were mentioning. Like, how do we okay. start those conversations? How do we start the conversation? Or I, I say, um, for me, uh, where I get my sense of hope uh, and what, what inspires me to do the work I do is uh, seeing um, and knowing that many people before us took on massive, seemingly intractable problems and made major progress, right? They did that in ch for child labor. They did that for women's right to vote. They did that, we did that for civil rights and we continue to do that, right? So uh, big things that seemed impossible, um, DDT, right? It was everywhere. It took Rachel Carson and many to, to change that. So there are so many examples that that we can change. It's not, you know, we just got to get our act together and change it. All things that seemed impossible happen. So that's, that's I guess, uh, that inspires me to know that when I, you know, when I came to Mississippi to learn English, just a few years prior to that, the um, freedom writers who went there were murdered. And I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now look where we are, you know, we've, yes, we've, we made progress, but then we made, you know, it's just like, we got to be on the ball all the time. Mm -hmm. And people before us were, and we need to learn something. I think we can learn so much from the civil rights movement, uh, so much from the way we developed consensus in, you know, um, on so many other issues that, that was good for our nation. I think that that's what inspires me. And I see examples of it in my own community. I see people, I think if we start with what we share and start working on things in our communities, in our state, that, and we develop consensus about this is something we want to do together. It's nothing to do with the political parties or left and right and all these names that we've come up with. Um, it's about it's about the shared future we have and shared land we have in this region and i think that that's what gives me hope yeah very good so the books you mentioned you had three books that you wanted three to books. one one of my favorite uh is a book of essays by wendell berry called mm -hmm. our only world um, and it has some very interesting essays i would say the most recent set of essays uh, that he has written. And one of, one of the essays I particularly like is a, a chapter called uh, Less Energy, More Life. And it's mm -hmm. basically, he makes an argument that renewable energy isn't enough. We need less energy. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, uh, the other book that I like uh, that has inspired me quite a bit is called Staying Put. And it's by Scott Russell Sanders. Um, and he argues that we need to commit to a region and stick with it, you know, and make it a better place. Hmm. And that that's that really inspires me. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So final words of wisdom for our listeners today, Kamyar? Um, I think 
we need to regain our agency in our state, in our communities, and and feel confident and build our competence in we can do things. There's so much in our, within our reach, so much that we have agency in our own communities, and we got to become involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Olivia, what would you like to end with? Sure. Um, well, I really like something that Kamya said about shifting the mindset of overconsumption and shifting the mindset where we look at climate change as stemming from overconsumption. And in my view, then that changes the rhetoric so that um, it's interdisciplinary and intersectional, both in the causes of climate change, the consequences and the solutions. Um, We can broaden our scope of who we work with um, and all of our problems really stem from a lot of the same stem from the same um the same problem yeah yeah very good thank you both so much thank you kamyar and thank you olivia for continuing to co-host this very important series um thank you so much for having me i enjoyed talking with you <laughs> yeah it's always great to get your perspective uh, a reminder to our listeners that you if you miss the show on on the radio um you can go to yourgreenportal.com to hear the podcast and read the corresponding blog. We'll have links in there to see Triple E so you can learn more about Kamyar and all his team's work and especially the students and what they're doing out there with Green AmeriCorps. And tune in next week as we wrap up this Earth Month series. And until then, stay safe, stay engaged, and thanks for listening. We truly are grateful. That's all for this edition of Green City. I'm Lene Marty Henson, and I hope you continue to listen in on these conversations focused on the broad realm of sustainability. I truly believe that we go further faster when we come together to have real dialogue, inspiring us toward practical solutions. Let's continue to learn from each other how best to nurture this precious planet we call home. Thanks for listening. We are truly grateful.